Kit, I want you to know how much I value our friendship because you're one of the only people I know that's shorter than me. It must be a nice feeling for you to be able to look down on someone. Literally, yes! Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and it has a lot of opinions about literacy. It's so 80s. Uh, do you guys remember before, like, we were worried about AIDS, we were really concerned about literacy? Yes. That's a hell of a jump from one to the other. Teach the kitties to read. Also, don't have unprotected sex or you'll die. So this is season two, episode eight, also known as episode 34, also known as The Treasure Hunt. This is written by Ellen Guan and Christy Marks uh, with a teleplay by Ellen Guan. We saw this little duo here for The Princess and the Singer. Ellen Guan's back. We've talked about how Princess and the Singer was not a great episode, but like Ellen Guan is also a, a prolific writer. But you know what? I think the treasure hunt is kind of a, it's a really goofy sort of improvement. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. There's something really King's Quest about it almost. Maybe that's why I like this so much. It reminds me almost exactly of playing like a, like a LucasArts adventure game. We are like this close to a rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle. So speaking of references to other media, we open in a big fancy building and there's a character named Richard Xanthos, but he's a millionaire and he has dark hair and it sounds close enough that I've pretty much just given up calling him Richard Xanthos. This is David Xanatos, folks. I was about to say that. Isn't Xanthos the name of the villain from Gargoyles? Richard Xanthos. He's going to uh, he's going to sponsor a children's literacy hunt and then he's going to go build a giant building so he fulfills an ancient prophecy and raises the gargoyles. So anyway, David Xanatos is holding a press conference in his office, which is, I mean, this office is almost completely wall-to-wall books. Yeah, which makes the whole priceless treasure he's talking about as the prize seem like less of a surprise. Gee, I wonder what it could be. Yeah, this guy who's obsessed with books. What can he possibly give us at the end? He's discussing uh, sponsoring a treasure hunt in Northern California uh, to give this prize. And he's talking about how two teams will participate. Wonder who the teams will be. What is it with people in this setting and not actually arranging all the details for something before announcing it? This happened with the Glitter and Gold contest, too. More importantly, we always know it's going to be Gem and the Holograms versus the Misfits. Why even bother with we don't know? Why not just say it's probably going to be Holograms and Misfits related somehow? No, no. We aren't sure who the teams will be yet. One thing I totally love about this guy is that, first off, He says he's sponsoring this treasure hunt that will be held on his estate. And then he has taken a page from Howard Sands' book and he has a giant, like, painting of his estate framed behind him. It's a really huge estate, by the way. It's sprawling. It is poorly landscaped, I feel. So can we just, can we just, like, pretend, just close our eyes for a minute and imagine a world in which uh, one of the two teams is represented by the Limp Lizards? Even better if there were three teams and while the Holograms team and the Misfits team is battling it out, the Limp Lizards win. (gasps) Oh, I would be so happy. That would be incredible. The Limp Lizards win! Now here's the hit single, My Life is a Garbage Heap! No, instead we switch to the Starlight Girls playing volleyball in some random field somewhere. Anne is doing so good, she just learned volleyball today. You're a good teacher, Jem. Thanks for taking the time to help me. Did that line sound really awkward to you guys too? Also, this scene fixates so much on Anne and she isn't even on the treasure hunt team. Yeah! 
Wait, wait! I thought she was going to be central to the episode, and then she's not. She's just there in the beginning, and she's gone for the rest of it. Well, there's there isn't a doll of Anne. Gem and the Holograms with our first song, Take the Time. This sounds familiar. Has this been on the show before? Would you believe it hasn't? It's just that generic. Oh, dear God. So there's something really important about this episode as it exists on Netflix that I need to point out. The Foley is all really loud. Oh, you guys had that too? There's this bit during the music video where the audience is applauding and it actually drowns out the music. It's so loud. Every single like little hand hitting a railing, car noise, paper noises. It's all super loud in this episode for some reason. It's actually that way on my DVDs too. They didn't fix it for the DVD? No, I have to wonder if maybe like this was the audio mixer for this episode trying to tell them something about the quality of this song and by extension the rest of the episode. Besides the applause drowning out the song, I also want to point out that Anne is very excited and dreaming of participating in volleyball in the Olympics in the far off year of 1992. Xanatos' assistant is watching all these girls and decides that the Starlight Girls will be perfect for the treasure hunt. And Christine has actually been clued in by Video, who is here for like half a second. And frankly, this seems kind of kind of sinister to me because they are literally watching from the shadows. Yeah, it kind of is. Meanwhile, did you guys miss the Mad Max Misfits van? I love this van. It's magnificent as always. Oh, I miss this van. At a certain point, the van noise actually drowns out one of Eric's lines. Right, because this is Pizzazz and Eric, and they are uh, they are on their way to, quote, another publicity stunt. They pull up outside of this building that looks kind of condemned, and there's these three little girls that surround Pizzazz and cheer, and I just call them the Moppets in my notes, sometimes the Misfit Moppets. Get lost, punkettes, Eric. Get rid of them. I hate kids. Eric has Pizzazz hand out pizzas to these kids. Okay, he calls them Misfits meals, but they're definitely pizzas. Look, Pizzazz pizzas. Pizzazz. Pizzazz. Missed a golden opportunity here, Eric. God, no wonder you suck at marketing. Pizzazz has no idea what's going on, which means that I'm really disappointed because I had gotten used to her, like, wacky schemes from the past couple of episodes. This is kind of low-level wacky scheme. This isn't nearly weird enough to be a pizzazz scheme. You've got me there. So it turns out that Erica set this up because Christine has shown up and Eric tells her that, oh, we hand out misfit meals all the time. It's a regular thing, I promise you. And she does no background checks. Does not look into this at all. In the slightest. And just says, wow, you guys are going to be great for the treasure hunt. Just assumes that this greasy-looking man with the devil horns in his hair is telling the unvarnished truth. Look, if you just do a background check on Pizzazz, you will find that not only does she have more money than God, but also she has committed several felonies. By the way, the Misfits girls are the best. Oh my god, yeah, let's talk about these outfits. So, their names are, uh... Uh, Molly, Ellen, and Sandra. And she introduces them by saying, I'm Molly, that's Ellen, that's Sandra. Don't ask us for anything unless you're willing to pay for it. Cash in advance. She's got this little old lady voice and it's magnificent. They're trying for like a tough Brooklyn accent almost. Uh, I also love that Stormer is also here and she like leans down to one of the girls and is like, what's your name? Because she's an angel. And they're like, scram, lady. Poor Stormer. She does not know how to deal with these kids. Oh my God. They look like they walked out of like an 80s rock opera. They look like extras from some like high tech 80s rock opera version of Romeo and Juliet. They look like background characters in every Lost Boys scene in Hook. They're just incredible. 
So the Muppets just sort of run off after they call the Misfits losers and Pizzazz calls them obnoxious little brats. And Eric's like, yeah, so's your face. So we flash back to Xanthos and he's like, I like the music angle and they're opposing groups. They're both deserving groups. Are they? Are they really? So we uh, we get to the day of the contest at the David Xanatos estate. And Jem does this whole winning doesn't matter as long as you do your best spiel. And, and Pizzazz is like, oh, by the way, winning is everything. And this does not immediately go into a music video version of winning is everything. And I'm very disappointed. Yeah, I know. What the heck was up with that? It's announced that this treasure hunt will be conducted through riddles because it's a Bioware treasure hunt, apparently. No, that would require about 8,000% more Towers of Hanoi. Wouldn't that be great, though? <laughs> Ten minutes of the episode just it's over here and then it goes over here and then it goes Done! I'm done! I'm done! I never want to see it again! No, no. Instead, it's apparently going to be riddles. And you guys actually, like, I hear about this and you know what I'm thinking? This sounds like a great idea. Riddles. Riddles are great. They require some lateral thinking. And I mean, if we're talking about, like, a literacy treasure hunt, what better way than to sort of ape the the, the whole structure of the Hobbit scene, Riddles in the Dark, which is, like, one of the best chapters. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm really excited. Eddie, I got some bad news for you. What? It's trivia. The riddles are all trivia. What? It's it's all how, ma- how many voyages did Sinbad have? It's just trivia. What? That's not a riddle. That's just a question. Yeah, it is. Aw, nerds. Also, a quick note in that uh, I'm not sure Jem is qualified to be a guidance counselor for this little literacy treasure hunt because all five holograms came here along with Ashley, Bonnie, and Chrissy, and I am 500% certain there are not enough seatbelts in the back of the Glitter and Gold Roadster to seat five people. Yeah, but if you cram enough people in, you don't really need seatbelts. Okay, yeah, that works on, like, backcountry roads, but I'm not sure I trust, like, Los Angeles traffic with that. Anyway, it turns out the Gem and Pizzazz are not allowed to help with the treasure hunt in any way. They're just there as, like, chaperones or whatever. What they actually say is that no adult can help the girls solve the riddles or else they'll be disqualified. So just put that in your pocket. Anyway, I feel like each of the team leaders should have a walkie-talkie in case they need to, I don't know, call in an injury or something. That'd be smart. Well, I got good news for you. One of these people has a walkie-talkie and it's a child. And you know what the walkie-talkie goes to? Uh, is it Tech Rat in a van? Yeah, somehow doing the internet and or having an encyclopedia that he created on a computer. Yeah, Techrat is in the van, the Misfits van, that they have retrofitted to fit what Techrat has invented, which is not Wikipedia, but it is Windows Encarta 96. Ten years early. He's getting really, really good at that medieval roguelike trivia game. And Techrat's like, when she gets a riddle, I'll run it through the computer and have the answer in seconds. Okay, dear kids, in like 1987 to 1988, we had encyclopedia collections. There was no internet. You couldn't look anything up really quickly. You had to go to the dictionary or the encyclopedia. It's not like you had the Library of Alexandria in your pocket like you do these days. So Techrad has invented Windows Encarta. And the treasure hunt begins. So they, they get these maps, basically. They have these these crappy maps that are supposed to guide them to where they get a trivia question. And then they answer the riddle. Heavy sarcastic quote marks around Riddle. They answer that and then they get a map to the next location until they finally get to like the the key that is the the objective here. Moppet Riddle number one. Oh dear God, it's Hiawatha. In what I'm pretty sure is not accurate Iroquois clothing. 
But I will say that it's the only role that this Native American actor could find that wasn't, like, humiliatingly written. So he uh, pushes up in his canoe, uh, looks at Moppet number one, and says, Where was I born? And Moppet number one, not very subtly, turns her head and goes, Where, Eric? Tech Rat has maybe invented a really good word parser, so that could be a thing, but it spits out Hiawatha was born on the shores of Gichigumi, and Tech Rat is so, so excited. He's so proud of Encarta 96, you guys. This is his first time testing it, probably. Can you imagine if it didn't work? But no, it was Gichigumi. Yep. So they tell him the answer to the riddle, and he gives them a map, and canoes off, and is immediately recast as Scarlett Johansson. So the Starlight Girls are still in their first clue, and uh, they come up by the river, and they notice the misfits are ahead of them. Which, I don't even know how they did that, unless they saw them, like, grab the next map, because this isn't, like, a linear thing. It's not like it's a race. No, but they're treating it like it. Because Ashley looks at a bunch of logs and says, it's a shortcut. A bunch of logs over a quite fast, probably not shallow river. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. It is a not at all lethal shortcut. The bridge is maybe about, oh, a hundred yards over there. You can see it from where you are quite clearly, but we've got a commercial break coming up, so. Somebody needs to take a dumb risk. So the Starlight Girls start crossing over on the logs, and of course, Pizzazz and team show up and uh, start shifting the log around and knock the Starlight Girls or at least Bonnie, into the water. One of the Muzzfit Moppets, it's like, guys, maybe we shouldn't kill people to win a treasure hunt. And they're always like, shut up, nerd. And Bonnie goes into the drink. And then, and then, Memento Mori by our dolls. By Bonnie's doll. She could drown. She might hit her head on something here and just die. Once we get back from the commercial break, Hiawatha comes by and fishes Bonnie out of the drink and canoes away into the sunset. Yeah, he says nothing, just drops her back on the land and is gone. Thank you for saving me. And he doesn't even say you're welcome. He just leaves. He also doesn't contact, like, the authorities of this or anything. Yo, one of the teams participating in this tried to murder the member of the other team. <laughs> it seems like maybe it's not on the up and up. There's no supervision in this entire thing. So the Starlight Girls finally find their way to the Arabian Gardens. And Bonnie immediately points out Scheherazade. Good job, Bonnie. I'm actually, like, really surprised because Scheherazade is not really a, a, uh, a very big, like, figure in Western literature. What, and Hiawatha is? Granted. Okay, so there's literally a thousand and one stories in this, in this to pull from that Scheherazade could ask them. There's tons. What could it possibly be? How many voyages did Sinbad the Sailor have? She could have asked anything about Aladdin. That would have at least been, you know... The 40 Thieves, or how many wishes did Aladdin get from the genie? Nope, Sinbad. How many voyages? Which is like, it's right there in the title, lady. And then for some reason we cut away because we have to build up suspension for Bonnie knowing the most basic thing. And the Misfits girls, meanwhile, run into uh, Alice... Alice of Alice in Wonderland. And Alice asks a question that they definitely do not need Tekrat and Carta to solve. Oh my god. Who will I meet at the tea party? And Tekrat doesn't need to say it. Eric's the one who shouts the answer. Probably because he's actually read a book once or twice in his life. Why would you have to look this one up? The Disney movie at this point came out 20 years ago. Even if these kids are, are low income, they've probably gone to like a boys and girls club or, or some sort of 
program or something, but they have had to show them Disney videos to keep them entertained for a couple of hours. Surely they've seen Alice in Wonderland. You would think. Anyway, they finally get it because Eric has read a book. Good job, Eric. And then we go back to the Arabian Gardens where, oh man, if you guys were sweating about this one, worry no more. The answer is seven. Seven voyages. Bonnie's like, I remember seven voyages. It's in the title, Bonnie. It's right there. So Scheherazade gives them a brass lamp. So like you've got the Aladdin reference right there and yet. Not to mention Ashley's like, open it up. No, you don't. You rub on the lamp. You rub. Oh, they open it up and there's a thing in there. Let's go to Tintagel Castle. Whatever. Meanwhile, the Moppets are at an impasse. They don't know how to get where they're supposed to go. So one of them suggests maybe we can get to Sherwood Forest by going through the waterfall. And Pizzazz thinks that sounds really dumb, grabs the map and says we're going through the Japanese gardens. Which we never see. So meanwhile, through the Japanese gardens that we never see, the Starlight Girls are lost and they don't know how to get to Tintagel. And they ask Jem for help and she's like, oh, I can't help you. You have to figure it out on your own. This is clearly an extended goofus and gallant sequence, I swear. So they cross paths with the Moppets, and Moppet Prime grabs the map. Jem tries to stop them, and Pizzazz's like, no, we can't interfere, remember, Jem? Oh, boy. Yeah, you can't solve the riddle for them. This isn't solving a riddle. This is just girls fighting. That's why the chaperone would be there, right? To defuse situations like these? Yeah, that's that's clearly what a chaperone is for in this case. Anyway, then we get a music video. Ah, it's ahead of the game. This one I've definitely heard before. Yeah, it's from Indy 500. Exactly. This was this was playing during uh during Pizzazz and Gems race in Indianapolis. Shortly after Pizzazz is like, I don't have a conscience. This is also one of those weird music videos that actually moves the plot forward and therefore functions more like a musical number in a Broadway rather than like the isolated music videos that are thematic. There's honestly just not much to say about this music video. It's just there. Yeah, it just happens and then we move past it while the misfit Moppets lose the Starlight Girls in a hedge maze. And again, there's that one Moppet that's like, should we actually endanger their lives? Are you sure about this? And the other two are, shut up, nerd. And meanwhile, the Starlight Girls are, uh, they have no way to get out. They have no idea what they're going to do. We go to commercial. And guys, I think this might actually count as another Memento Mori because they're going to starve to death or get eaten by a Minotaur. This is a big estate and they have no walkie-talkie. They're going to die out there. They did not even bring water. Mm-mm. They are dead. They're dead. At least they would be dead. But Ashley is actually doing the correct thing that you do in a maze. You follow one wall colloquially put your hand on the left wall and follow that and eventually you'll find your way out. This is a real thing that works, kids. I'm kind of disappointed there wasn't a minotaur in there. Because, I mean, it's a literature-themed treasure hunt. There should have been a minotaur in there. Anyway, the Moppets get to Sherwood. There's a lot of men in tights here. Like, just just a lot. It's cool. I'm just going to go to my Carrie Elwes place. Oh, Carrie Elwes. No, Carrie, as you wish. Annie? Annie, come back. Yeah, huh? What? Come back, Annie. Oh, we gotta finish the episode. (laughs) Witch King finally pardoned Robin Hood from the life of an outlaw. Okay, this Disney movie only came out 10 years ago, Moppets. Well, also, it was bad. Oh, Annie, the furries are gonna fight you over that one. Robin Hood was bad. It reused so much animation from everything. It was not enjoyable. It was bad. 
Although that that rooster whistle was pretty uh pretty catchy. I'll give you that one. Moving on. What was the point of Sir Hiss? Moving on. So we go back to the van and it got huge. And Techrat's setup has completely changed since we saw it a few minutes ago. Maybe the van is the TARDIS. <gasps> oh my god, that would be the raddest TARDIS ever. Anyway, it turns out it's King Richard the Lionhearted. You know, the one who's always played by Patrick Stewart. Or a lion. At the end, it was another lion. I don't think he even had any lines, because that movie was bad. Annie, moving on. We, we cut back to Tintagel Castle while Arthur and Percival are dueling with baguettes. In front of a big termite mound? Yeah. Um, have they been, like, sword fighting all day waiting for the girls to walk up? Yes. Like, they have no way of knowing whether their girls are coming. Nope. Arthur's been getting more and more in character the whole time. The girls walk up and he's like, on what great quest did I send my noble knights? Which is not narrowing it down. There were a lot of quests, Arthur. You're bad at delegating. But Ashley identifies it as the quest for the grail. And sure, that's one of them. Wouldn't it be really funny if she picked one of the really obscure ones? Oh, that'd be great. Well, you're not wrong. It's not the answer. I was. It's not what I've got on the card. Meanwhile, they hand them a map, and Arthur's been getting really in character, so he's like, So, now for the next riddle. Who's been sleeping with my wife? Uh, isn't that Lancelot? Lancelot, come here right now! Galahad, where's your father gotten off to, hmm? Where's my wife? I don't know. Hmm, who's sleeping with my wife? Okay, got a question for you guys. Yep. Word. What eight-year-old girl has actually read The Three Musketeers? You mean the story about, like, the three womanizers who talk regularly about how they sleep with all the ladies? That is definitely not written for, like, a third grade reading level? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I figure every third grader's read it by now. Well, Chrissy definitely has. Because they ask, who's the fourth musketeer? Spoilers. It's D'Artagnan, and she can somehow identify him. She can identify him out of a group of actors? And then he's like, oh, is there no woman who doesn't know me on sight? Chrissy, should you have been reading this? I, I mean, are you supposed to be in middle school? Uh, still, should you be reading this? Chrissy is reading way above her rating level, which actually explains a lot about her as a character. You know, yeah. Now we're back with the Misfits Moppets, and one of them trips over a branch and immediately falls, like, flat on her face. She goes from, like, standing to on the ground in two frames. And this is the one who's been like, maybe we shouldn't kill people? This is the nerd. Yep, this is Sandra. Yeah, and so the others are like, well, cut the weakest link, we gotta go. Bye, Sandra. Can't keep you around, we'll lose. So then the Starlights find Sandra, who is definitely not voiced by Shayna. They debate whether she should live or die. They're like, Jem, what should we do about this injured girl? And Jem's like, I don't know, I can't help you. She's not my responsibility. This is not a riddle, Jem. The Muppets come up to a dock and see Odysseus. Okay. What was the one-eyed monster that I fought during my voyage? In my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's where my brain immediately went. You know what I would have even liked better than this? Literally the same thing, but I would have preferred it if he'd be like, what did I call myself when I fought the Cyclops? Because at least there's a little twist to it, you know, the whole nobody joke. And then we could even have Tech Rat be like, it's nobody. And then Eric would be like, no, Tech Rat. What's the name? Ah, uh, I would like that. I was going to go with how did I earn the wrath of Poseidon, but uh, but I like yours better. Anyway, the point here is that Odysseus drives a motorboat. How come Hiawatha didn't get a motorboat? He had to paddle. And that river did not look like it wanted to be paddled. No. He takes them off on his motorboat, which is done up to look like a Grecian boat, by the way. 
So the Starlight Girls show up with Sandra, which means they did the right thing, which makes them a superstar. And they meet up with Long John Silver, who is very clearly David Xanatos in a mask. Yar, me lassies, where is the pirate gold hidden? Yar. Screw the pirate gold. Could you call a medic for this girl who's possibly broken her ankle? No, you gots to find the treasure. Oh, Jesus. Yar, dead men tell no tales. Ask me about the steering wheel down me pants. Wait for it. It's driving me nuts. Okay. Yar. They answer Treasure Island because it was the title of the book in its entirety. You don't even need to have read the book. I saw the Muppet version and I know that. Anyway, Long John Silver also has a motorboat. And uh, as they get across the lake, which is where the treasure must be, Jem suddenly realizes that she's an adult in a situation with a lot of injured children and says, You girls go get the key. I'll stay behind with Sandra. Finally, finally making a responsible adult decision. For once. And then both of the girls from both teams find the key. They grab it at the same time. Surprise! The pirate was David Xanatos. And he says, fine, I'll give you a tie-breaking riddle. It's actually a riddle! I would have loved if the tiebreaker was a Tower of Hanoi, but no. Here are three rods and circles. You have to bring them all from one side to the other. Ah, but there's a trick in this tricky puzzle. Xanatos reads out the riddle. Close, they are silent. Nothing more. But open them, and all worlds, past, present, and future, are yours. And Eric, in his attempt to get Techrat to look it up, destroys Techrat and Carta. He just shouts, use your computer, Techrat, which I need a ringtone of. They break everything? They break Techrat and Carta? They maybe break the van? Are we still in the van? Everything is broken. And while Moppet Prime is desperately trying to raise them on the radio, Xanatos notices that she's got a radio pin. And then Pizzazz jumps in with, well, you can't prove anything, which is like, that is the, that is the last thing you want to say when accused of something. Look, she's got lawyers. But Sandra knows the answer to this impossible riddle. It's a book. Aww. Sandra knows the answer, but she's defected to the Starlight Girls. And they're like, welcome to the Starlight Girls. We'll never see you again. And then Xanatos fully accepts that players could just switch teams now and declares the Starlight Girls the winner. And then he takes them back to his library. Whereas prizes, they get to choose first edition of books signed by their authors. All right, look, I, I tried to look up some of these things that they listed. These are worth thousands of dollars. He calls these priceless. I beg to differ. They have a very large price tag on them, a very large and terrifying price tag. Don't give these very large and terrifyingly priced books to elementary schoolers. Anyway, Pizzazz is like, that's the prize. It's books. And like, Pizzazz, you of anyone should know what these are worth. It's true. And Jim is like, books are priceless, Pizzazz. They're the key to all worlds. And Pizzazz is like, shut up, nerd. And then it's song time. And you guys, it's Gem and the Holograms open a book, and it got real anime up-ins. Gem comes prancing into the room in, like, a really weird way. And then everybody opens up their own book, and they get actually transported from, like, hyperspace to the world of the book that they're reading. You know, like that episode of Futurama. Yeah, and then they get really excited about it, and then they show Pizzazz, and she is horrified by this witchcraft. I've never seen anyone, like, more terrified of reading than Pizzazz is right there. I'm not sure what's going on here, but I'm sure there's a deep, dark secret in Pizzazz's childhood that explains it. So, uh, that's the end of the episode. Open a book, guys. 
Reading is fundamental, etc. Although if you are going to open a book, make sure it's not a priceless leather-bound volume for 200 years ago that you really shouldn't even be breathing on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. You know, I just looked up uh, the price of a first edition signed by Lewis Carroll, and it's only 7500 Only? Only 7500 Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things. There's, there's another one that's two below it that's the second edition, but because it has a single S printed backwards, it's 75000 All right, I think that about wraps it up for us here on the Gem Jam. You guys should join us next time when we experience the majesty of Aztec enchantment. Oh boy. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr. You can find us just about everywhere at the Gem Jam, except on Twitter where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you have a couple of bucks, you can subscribe to our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash the Gem Jam. We've got some cool stuff for you. If you're also interested on hearing us say swear words and also have opinions about things that we, by all right, shouldn't have opinions about, you can check out our other podcast, I Will Fight You. It comes out about every six weeks, so don't refresh the page that often. So our most recent episode will have been about Pern, where you'll mostly hear me and Kit talking and Annie saying what in a horrified voice over and over again. Yeah, that happened. I learned a lot more about Pern than I ever thought I had known or needed to or wanted to. Setting all that aside, until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you that a man's eyes are always more outrageous than his stomach.